Good morning, family. What day is today? How many of you know that this is a special day in our Christian calendar also today? It's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, so I would like to start the message today by going to Acts chapter 2 and reading with you just this remarkable event that took place that we want to remember today. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This remarkable event that took place that we remember today is very important, particularly for us, because this, I want to say, is the birth date of the church. This is when the church was established, was on the day of Pentecost. And the church is a very, very important part of the story of God's journey with mankind. God created us for community, as we've been speaking about that. And we lost that sense of community because we chose to sin. And that sin brought separation between us and God. That sin brought a breakdown into the world that we live in, and it caused things to start tearing apart. But yet it remained God's desire for us to know Him, to have unity, to have something that holds life together. And that something is community, community with Him. And so God made a covenant with a group of people called the Israelites. He made this covenant with them. He said, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will live among you. Even though we turned away from him, he did not turn away from us. He kept pursuing us. He kept looking for us and to find a way that we can be restored back into community with him. And so God journeyed with the nation of Israel and gave them the law and the prophets and instruction and trying to teach them what it means to live with God and have community with God. But ultimately, God's plan was that not only they would experience that blessing, but that every people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will experience community with God. And so Jesus came and, and extended to us by grace and his forgiveness an invitation to come back into community with God and made it possible for us to be restored into community. And then Jesus said, it's, I'm going to take up my place in heaven, but I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so we have this relatively small group of people that have now received this invitation to return into community with God. And now they're praying and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And this is the story we read. On that specific day, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And it becomes this tremendous event that gives new momentum and new impetus and bigger scope to this story of God wanting to live with us than ever before through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. On a group of people, and one of the signs that happened on that day was they spoke in other tongues. Now, these tongues that they were speaking in on this occasion were actual languages. That people that did not have the natural ability to speak that language suddenly begin to, began to speak that language. And the crowd that was gathering, hearing this commotion going on, heard 
a gospel presentation, the, the declarations of the glory of God in their own language. This was God saying, my community is for everyone. And extending an invitation to people in their own language saying, I want you to know this is not just for the Jew, this is for everyone. This is like when you go to one of those hotels or a restaurant and when you walk in, there's a billboard at the door that has welcome in many different languages. This is what God was doing on that day. He was saying, welcome, you are included. You've heard about the story of me wanting to live with you. You may have seen the Jews endeavor to live with me, but I want to tell you today, this is for everyone. I want you to come and live with me. And so the story gains this whole new fresh impetus and momentum of God coming to have community with us. Because God's story with us is going somewhere. How many of you know that any good story is going somewhere? It has an end in mind. And God has an end in mind for us. What is the end that God has in mind for us? Is to have community with Him for eternity. Heaven is us going to be with God and living unhindered, complete community with Him for all the rest of our days. The church is the vehicle now that tells that story. That's why Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. What are we witnessing? We are witnessing that God has come to live with us. And that one day we will live with him for eternity. And we are the ones that have now lived that testimony inside of us. We live that witness by the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit that has now taken up residence within me testifies that I have community with God now. And begins to change my life into living as a person that reflects and shows that I have community with God. And the church becomes the witness to this world of this desire of God to have community with us. The witness that one day we will have perfect community with Him in eternity, but we don't have to wait till then. We can have community now because of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gets poured in our midst, we begin to live heaven's eternal reality. We begin to live that now we now already live in that sense of community. In this world, with its brokenness, in this world that is being torn apart, that is falling apart, that is losing community, we are gaining community because of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit gets poured out on this 120 people and we see these remarkable signs but I think it's fantastic to recognize that Acts 2 begins with these supernatural signs, but ends with some natural signs of the kingdom. If we read the last verses of Acts 2, verse 42 to 45, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. These people that have now received the Holy Spirit this is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. What is that describing? 
to us. What is this natural sign of God, of His kingdom that has come? Community. That's a fantastic description of community. So we see these supernatural things poured out, signs poured out by the Holy Spirit on people. We see this invitation of God saying to all nations, you are now included in the story. You are part of the story. And then we see this group of people that have become the physical representation of what God is doing begin to express community. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that they begin to express community as best they now are on earth because they have started tasting eternal community. They've got a revelation now of what life should be like when you're living it with God. And they're just getting the party started earlier. They're saying, what we've tasted it from heaven, we will do now. Because where does the Holy Spirit come from? From heaven. He comes from the presence of the Father. He comes to bring us the witness of what life is like with God for all eternity. And that captures our hearts. It captured the imagination of these people. It captured them to the point where they began to change the way they lived here on earth. They weren't just saying, hey, now I'm saved and I'm not going to go to hell one day. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. They were saying, no. Heaven is now my reality and I'm going to live that here. Because that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is calling things that are not as if they are. Saying God has come to live with us. We know it will happen fully one day. We will know we will experience it completely one day. But now it is already our reality. Because we are a people of faith. People of faith tap into that which is ultimately real. And bring it into that which is now not the truly real. Because this world with its brokenness is not what God had intended for us. And that's not what will last for eternity. The eternal story is not the story of a broken world falling apart. The eternal story is a story of God living with his people in perfection. That is the eternal story. And so the Spirit comes. And the Spirit gets deposited within us. And he brings that heavenly reality and he begins to make it my reality here on earth. And so we see this community, this beautiful new fledgling community starting to respond to this revelation, to this truth, to this reality that they're receiving. Because not only are they seeing something, you know, but they, it's living inside of them by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who bears witness to the Father is now bearing witness inside of me, Romans 8, 16. And my spirit bears witness with the Spirit of this ultimate truth and reality. And we see this community starting to give expression to it. And it's beautiful. But by Acts chapter 6, we see the, the world's tension starting to pull them again. Because we're living in a world that is falling apart, that's tearing that's losing its structure, its integrity. It's like, a, it's like your favorite pair of jeans that you've worn a bit too much. And it's now starting to get holes in some strange places. And, and you can imagine, you can see that the fabric starts 
fraying. The fabric is being worn a bit too much and it starts tearing. And I know nowadays we pay a lot of money to, for t- torn jeans, but I'm talking about not torn jeans. And, and you, you can see that piece of fabric, it's starting to pull apart and it's, the holes are opening up and you, can you see that where the, like these little strands that are desperately trying to cling to the other side, but it's, it's tearing. That's the world we're living in. It's tearing. It's falling apart. It's breaking up consistently under the strain of sin, under the curse of the law of sin and death. This world is, is just breaking apart. And this community had started experiencing the Holy Spirit come. And what the Holy Spirit does is he starts reconnecting. The Holy Spirit starts, and that's what community is. It's, it's drawing from that side and from that side. And, and the Holy Spirit is the sower and he starts sowing. And he starts fixing and he starts bringing structure and integrity. And he starts bringing order and he, and he reconnects. He reconciles and he fixes. But we live in a broken world, so the the tension keeps going. The world is trying to fall apart because that's its natural position and state. And the Holy Spirit is trying to reconnect. And so we see this new community that is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're trying to connect and they, they are responding to the Holy Spirit. But then we see their brokenness manifest itself. And by Acts 6, there's a complaint lodged. An email is sent to the leadership of the church from a group that represents the Greek widows. And the Greek widows are unhappy because they're not getting their fair share of the food distribution program in the church. And they're saying those that, the, 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 the Jewish um, or the Aramaic speaking widows are getting all the food and are getting better service than we are. And you can see a little bit of the tearing, can't you? The brokenness of the world, the manifestation of a little bit of perhaps discrimination or or at least insensitivity, because that's the way of the world. It's, it's beginning to tear this community. And so the leaders have a problem. They, they have a visionary meeting, and they say, guys, what are we going to do? We've got this complaint. We've got to deal with it. So they come up with a brilliant solution. Acts 6 verse 3, this is their solution. My friends, choose seven men who are respected and wise and filled with God's Spirit to come and serve the tables. How many of you have been waiters? I waited for a long time to try and pay my studies, and I had to do it double the time because I wasn't a great waiter. But I've never thought that to be a good waiter, being filled with the Spirit, is a prerequisite. Because, I mean, essentially, that's what they're saying. We need seven guys that will make sure the tables are set properly and the food gets distributed evenly. And to do that task... To hand out the food in a right way, we need spirit-filled people. I go, why do you need spirit-filled people? I mean, why do you need spirit-filled people to serve tables? Because they weren't serving tables. They were sowing. They were reconnecting. What were those seven men doing? Why did they need to be filled with the spirit? Because where does the spirit come from? Heaven. Do you think in heaven when you sit down, there are going to be some people group that's going to get food and others that aren't going to get food? 
How many of you think that when we get to heaven, it's going to be every tribe, every tongue, every nation, perfectly in unity at home, being loved equally by God? We, we're gonna, everybody's going to eat cook sisters in heaven. I mean, I, I, said to, I said to one of my boys yesterday, imagine 99% of the people in the world have never had the joy of eating an avo and biltong brueki. I love avo and biltong, little bread. It's only us that can have that, or milk tar. In heaven, they're all going to have the opportunity. <laughs> Amen? That's my version of heaven. Because... So if the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? He takes the way tables are served in heaven and he pours that into these seven guys so that they are serving tables on earth the way it's done in heaven. That's, they weren't serving tables. They were sowing. They were saying, while on earth it may be natural, the tearing and the division and the divisiveness and the, uh, the discrimination, that's not what heaven is. So we're going to represent heaven. Do you know that as a child of God, you don't just teach, you don't just drive, you don't just code, you don't just sell things. But on your front line, what are you doing? You are sowing. You're a sower. That where, where God places you on your front line, the world is trying to fall apart and you say, no, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to be used by God to reorder things, to weave back together, to keep this world from tearing itself apart. That's what we do on our front lines and that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. You cannot represent heaven from your own spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. So every day, Lord, come and fill us by your Holy Spirit. And that's what a community is. We are sowing together. How do we sow? We sow by sowing. We S-E-W by S-O-W. We sow by sowing. Do you recognize that the Holy Spirit is a gift that is given to us so that we can give him to the world? It's all about giving. It's all about giving. That's how we get to bring heaven down to earth, is through our giving. It's by being givers, inspired and worked on by the Holy Spirit, responding to the Holy Spirit as He does. So I want to say a couple of things about giving quickly. First of all, I want to say giving is a gift and a discipline. In Romans 12, Paul lists some of the gifts, the manifestations, the charismata or the pneumaticon of the Holy Spirit, the expressions. If the Holy Spirit is in a community, these are the kind of things that you will see happening in that community because the Holy Spirit is this gift that is given to us and then give us, gives us gifts to, to continue to be able to witness the story of heaven. And then he lists some of them in verse six. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He's saying the Holy Spirit distributes gifts and we receive those to give them. 
Now, I know it, it may be nice to say, oh, well, I have the spirit of prophecy. I don't have the spirit of giving. So I don't have to give. I don't have to be generous. I'm just prophesy. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. Because the spirit distributes the gifts as the community needs. Yes, and we do have natural strengths and inclinations. But all of it is giving. All of it is generosity. Because all of it is about sowing. When I prophesy, what am I doing? I'm declaring heaven's reality within this broken world. When I, when I am generous, I'm responding from heaven's reality and I'm displaying that on earth. I'm sowing the whole time. I'm reconnecting. So giving is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. He makes me a giver because he is a giver. But not only is it a gift that I receive because I receive him, it's also a discipline. And that not that so often how spiritual maturity works? It's receiving the gift and doing the hard work of the discipline at the same time. It's both and. I get given the gifts of the Spirit, but then I have to practice them, exercise them, train myself in them, grow in them. The, the gifts of the Spirit are acquired and sustained habits of thought and of behavior that need constant practice. I've been given the gift of giving, but I must practice it. Sometimes you have Christians and they have this Holy Spirit living inside of them that are so generous, that just wants to give, but the Christian is like, nope, stop it. Through fear and through Whatever, our own selfishness and small-mindedness, we're trying to keep the Holy Spirit. You're my Holy Spirit. You belong to me. The only way that you're going to express yourself is if it benefits me. And the Holy Spirit's saying, oh, sorry, that's not how I operate. That's not what I do. Let me out. Give. Give. How do we have more of the Holy Spirit in a community? By giving more of the Holy Spirit. If we give, we receive. It becomes this cycle. We give. So giving is a gift and a discipline. Giving is stewardship. It's knowing that everything belongs to God. Everything is His. But yet He gives me the opportunity to steward what He has given me for His purposes and benefits. I'm sort of just the one whose hands through it passes. It's stewardship. Paul writes to one of his disciples, a young man, younger man by the name of Timothy, who's now being set up by Paul to lead a local community. So Paul is in taking some of heaven's truth and he's downloading it to this young guy and he's saying to this younger guy, if you want to lead and represent heaven, then these are the things you have to do in your community. And in 2 Timothy 1 verse 4, he says to him, you have been trusted with a wonderful treasure. You have been trusted with a wonderful treasure. Every community of faith, every person of faith has been entrusted with a wonderful treasure. The scripture says we carry these treasures in earthen jars of clay. Don't get confused between the jar and the treasure. Because often we don't see the treasure, we just see the jar. But inside is a treasure. You have been given a treasure. You know what your treasure is? Heaven's truth. You have been given the revelation of what life with the Father is really like. You have been given this treasure of understanding that I don't live in a world where there's not enough. I live in a world with a Father that has more than enough. 
I have given, been given that treasure. What am I going to do with that treasure? I'm going to steward it. I'm going to give it. I'm going to use it for my father's purposes. Not for my own, but for his purposes. So Paul says to Timothy, you have been trusted with a wonderful treasure, guarded with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Now when we read the word God, we think it's like a bit of a protect. It's not, he means, but he means in that context is guarded by giving it, using it, applying it. Do with it what it was supposed to be. Have done with it. That sentence came out horribly, sorry. Apply it. Don't be afraid. You've been given. Steward it well. Steward it well. Giving is a gift and a discipline. Giving is stewardship. Giving is ministry. The word ministry is, can be translated perhaps in a more modern, comfortable way as with the word serving. To give is to serve, is to minister. There was this event that took place that we read about in 2 Corinthians where the church in Jerusalem was going through a really tough time because there was famine in that area and the church was literally starving. The, the Christian people were starving. And so Paul and some of the other apostles decided that it would be appropriate for the other churches that basically all were planted out of Jerusalem to support the church in Jerusalem financially. So they went around and they asked the churches whether they would give to the church in Jerusalem to support them through a difficult time. And then they went around a second time to collect this collection of the churches that was given and then take it back to the Jerusalem church to really help them. And so Paul went to the Corinthians and he said to them, listen guys, you've got to give. Help the church. I invite you to give. Help the church in Jerusalem. But the Corinthian church was a bit slow. They didn't, they did, this didn't grab their hearts that quickly. They weren't too excited about this. So Paul is now writing to them to encourage them, to say to them, listen guys, you are not of this earth, you are of heaven. You've got to live consistently with heaven's reality, not with the earth's reality. You have been given a chance to display heaven's generosity. Don't be caught up in the ways of this world. And he writes this to them, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 1. There is no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people. He's saying, serve God's people. Minister to God's people in times of need. And that's what we do when we give. We minister. We serve. Whether that's giving is time, energy, money, intellectual property, whatever it may be, we give. Because we serve. Because how does heaven function? Heaven functions on servitude. Who's the greatest representative that ever came and dwelt among us in human form? It's Jesus. He did not consider it equality, equality with God something to be held onto, but he let go of it, took on the form of a servant, and came and served us. So what's God going to do with me if I'm filled with a spirit that filled Jesus? Is I'm going to want to serve people. I'm going to try and look for ways to serve, to minister to the needs of people. But what gets in our way is our own neediness, isn't it? We think, oh, you know, I live in South Africa. We're going for stage 18 load shedding. I don't know what that means. Somebody said when you enter stage 18 load shedding, they're going to take away all your light-skinned friends. I don't know if that's what they mean. It's like, you know, they're going to take away everything. 
We live in South Africa. The rand is like collapsing against the dollar. We just had our interest rates raised on Thursday. Have you seen the petrol price? Vegetables and fruit is 20-something percent more expensive than last time this year. Surely, we can't be expected to be generous. When we say that, what are we doing? We're saying this is more real than what that is real. You see, and, and Paul, in trying to encourage the Corinthians, reaches for a, an example of his own day of a community that had a different spirit. Because giving is an attitude also. And this is the spirit they had in their service. We read about this in 2, Chronicle, or two Corinthians. Oh, Chronicles, Corinthians. Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 5, Paul says, And now, br- brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then then by the will of God also to us. What was the difference between the Corinthians and the Macedonians? It was not their state of financial well-being because the Corinthians were actually fine financially. They had more than they needed. They were in a wealthy city and things were going reasonably well with them. The Macedonians was equally in trouble, actually to the point where the apostles seemed to not want to ask them for a contribution. Because they were saying, the next guys we're going to have to take up an offering for are the Macedonians. So I don't think we should ask them for a contribution. The difference between the Corinthians and the Macedonians is By which truth did they live? You see, the Corinthians lived by the truth of this earth. Things are falling apart. Things are being separated. Things are torn. There's not enough. The Macedonians were living by heaven's reality. They had witnessed who their God is. They had witnessed kingdom community. And it was inspiring them to the point where they were saying, that is our complete reality and we're going to make sure that that gets represented on this earth now. And so they had a different spirit. You see, ultimately how you live your life is determined by what you believe is real. It's by your revelation. If you have a small revelation of the eternal reality of our story, you will consistently try and fit that into this world instead of letting this world fit into that because that's the big revelation. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes and does in our lives, friends, is He consistently pours into us this heavenly truth of a kingdom community that while I'm living in this brokenness, I'm saying, no, there's more. There's more to the story. My imagination is captured by that reality. And I'm saying, Lord, how do I make people see that that is the truth? I don't want people to believe that load shedding is the truth ultimately. I don't want them to believe that this world is just on its way to hell. There's no hope for it. I'm not just going to sit back and say, oh, well, you made your bed, now sleep in it. 
I'm not going to have that attitude because I know what is the eternal reality and I'm going to make sure that people see that by giving into that story, supporting that story. This is what the Macedonians understood. So giving is serving and giving is an attitude. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us this remarkable parable. From verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went out once, at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man, one, sorry, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. You have been given a treasure. You have been given a treasure. A treasure of the revelation of what eternity is going to be like. You have received the treasure of the truth of who God is. And not only have you received that as knowledge, it's living within you. You are enjoying participating in that treasure every day. You've been given that treasure. Now Jesus is saying to you, use that treasure. Steward it well. Give it. And so the guy who understood that he can never outgive God went and was able to step out in faith and take his five bags of gold and say, come on, let's do something. Let's sow together a broken world. Let's use this money to represent God's kingdom, to show people the reality, the truth of who God is. And he began to apply it. The guy with the two, the same. He was like, man, I've got two. He didn't spend too much time thinking, no, why didn't I get five? He's like, I've got two. I'm gonna use that. And then comes the guy with the one. Now, You'd think the guy with the five would feel that he's got more to lose than the guy with the one. But this is where attitude makes all the difference, you see. Because the guy with the one had more to lose than the guy with the five because of his mindset. Because he said, I've only got one. The only way I'm going to survive is by holding on to my one. I don't want to lose the one little bit that I've got. I'm just going to keep my one. What does that tell you about this guy? Where was he earthed and planted and rooted in terms of his reality? Was he living in a heaven where God is more than enough? Or was he living in a broken world where there's not enough to go around? What determined his attitude? He was so connected to the pain and the struggle of this world. So he was like, no. You know. And so when the master comes and checks up on them, the five has now 10, the two has four. He comes to the one and he says, now what have you done? He says, no. And then he does this fantastic thing where he blames the guy who gave him the money in the first place. He says, I know you. I know you're a hard taskmaster. You wanna reap where you haven't sown that you're always asking for more. So in my sphere of not wanting to lose what I've got, I've hidden this. So he blames the master isn't that what so often people do that are so connected into the brokenness of this world? They keep blaming other people. They keep pointing the fingers elsewhere. It's God's fault. Where's God? 
Instead of recognizing the treasure he has given us and saying, I've only got one, but I'm gonna work with this one. You see, because we have a father, he doesn't know the master. That shows you he has no revelation because if he knew the master, he would know how loving, how gracious, how kind, how good, how overflowing, how abundant, how generous the master is. And he would have said, I can take a risk. I can give this away. Then he would represent who the father is, but now he's misrepresenting him. And therefore the father says, go away from me. I know you not. You and I don't know each other. We are not singing off the same song sheet. You cannot represent me. I'm rather gonna take away what you had and give it to the guy who can represent me. I'm gonna resource the ones that knows heaven. That's who we're supposed to be. We're the ones that supposed to, to, to represent heaven because we have been filled with the Spirit that comes from heaven, that is recreating through us. Now we have the privilege of doing that in community. Because if God is a community that created us for community and that is bringing us back to community to one day live with him in community for eternity, then what is he asking of us to do on earth is to be community. When you and I are a community of faith, a kingdom community, we are not trying to deal with earthly problems. We are trying to represent a heaven reality. And that's what every local church gets the opportunity to do, is to taste heaven, to feel heaven, to smell heaven, to experience heaven alive within them by the Holy Spirit and then to try as the best they can within their context and culture to express what they're experiencing every day from heaven. So that people on this earth can go somewhere and begin to say, hmm, there might be a different angle to this story than what I've always understood. You see, heaven is up there, but for Jesus' prayer, let heaven come on earth to be true. Heaven needs an address on earth. It needs a local representation. I know there's many people, and it's become very fashionable in our days to be spiritual, but not to be part of some organized form of religion. Can I tell you the problem with that is then if you do not have some organized form of expression of your faith, then heaven has no address on earth. It just floats around in the clouds and it becomes this abstract reality. Now we will never fully and completely and perfectly represent heaven here on earth, but we're moving towards that reality. It's our job when we're a community, it's not a human dynamic, it's a supernatural dynamic where we're saying, Lord, this is not about me. This is not so that I can have a place to belong and so that I can have people love me. Lord, this is about starting the party early so that more people can find the party. Because if there's no party on earth, how will they ever believe in the heavenly party hereafter? 
have the party now. Ow, ow, ow. And invite peep, 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 peep. Highways and the byways, highways, highways, highways. And join the, 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 the people language, every tribe, every person. You're welcome. Come and join the party. Experience it now. And so when we build our local churches, that's what we're trying to do. And to build a local church requires a community, a community of faith that will give because this is not their reality, that's their reality. And they're trying to give expression to that. So we give to community. As a heavenly call, we give into community. We give, and we give everything we've got. Because that's really what's real. We give it all through prayer. We do every effort in prayer. We give all our strength through our labor, our work, that is worship. We give all our time through service. We give all our hearts through compassion. We give all our minds through meditation on the scripture. We give all our resources through generosity. We, we give it all. We like the five and the two guys that says, I'm not gonna leave anything on the field. I'm not gonna hold anything back. I'm gonna give it all. How many of you remember that scene from Schindler's List, the movie? Remember that scene towards the end, the character that Liam Neeson plays? When, he, when the war is now coming to an end and, and he stands by his car and he says, if I sold this car, I could have saved so many more people. That's the attitude we have. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. All my time, all my effort, everything. Lord, help me be sowing together. My sowing needs funding Funding by my energy, by my time, by my intellectual property, and by my money. It needs, for, for us to sow together a world that's trying to tear itself apart, we need to give and be givers. So let's get really practical for a moment. How do we give into community? I want to list three things. We believe in a gathered and scattered church, but I'm going to focus on the gathered aspect now. Because this is what our series is about. We give by devotion to gathering. Because there should be a maturity in us, an increasing maturity as a community of faith that says, I'm not going to gather for, with my fellow brothers and sisters merely because I need something. I'm going to represent something. I'm going to be part of something. Because without me, the party can't happen. I need to be part of that. I need to show with my brothers and sisters to the world that there is something like a kingdom community. So I'm going to be devoted. I, I, it's fine. Most of us, we start our journey with community. What can I get from it? That's okay. I will always receive from community. But as you mature, you become more and more about how can I give to community? Because I'm part of a story. A story that needs witnesses, that needs to be told. So we devoted to gathering. In large gatherings, small gatherings, whatever. I am expressing kingdom. On any given weeknight, it seems that our average is we have just under 600 people, if I remember correctly that every week meet somewhere in our city in a small group of what we call a community group. Now, we have over a 1,000 people that belong to community groups, but none of you go every week, so therefore it sort of averages out. 
our statistics tell us. That's 600 people having a party every week saying, we have tasted community in heaven and we want to display that. But it's not only in community groups. It's in your family. We have tasted what heaven is like and we're going to live it in our family. With your friendship group, at your workplace, we are living. But it so helps me to share community with others because I regularly experience it. Sometimes I come to church on a Sunday and I'm like, I've had a week where I've tried to sew things together, but the harder I sewed, the more they fell apart. And then I need some rekindling of my faith and I need some of you to encourage me. I need some prophetic encouragement to go, like we had this morning, just keep planting the seeds, just keep planting it. It doesn't feel like it's working, but keep planting. Then I go back, okay, this week I'm gonna go sow again. Sometimes I come and I say, guys, guess what? I sowed something this week and it didn't fall apart. I saw God's kingdom and we celebrate together. We devoted to gathering. We volunteer. We give of our time and our energy. Why do you volunteer at church? Is it to sing music or is it to sew together? Why does an usher volunteer time? Because it's part of the sewing. They're helping us put a party together so that people can come and say, "Hmm, something's happening. I'm tasting something. I'm smelling something. And that happens because this is our community. We don't pay musicians or rent hire musicians. The musicians you see are our people, our community's people. Right now, some of our community's people, particularly the drummer part of it, has, is emigrating and stuff's happening, and so we, we need some drummers. This is my advert. <laughs> Where's Luke? Luke, you're going to pay? Where's Luke? Where, I see you here. Are you, you know, not, not just anybody that, like, I, I can't play drums, and I'm not going to serve the community by trying. But it's, this is our expression of the taste of heaven that we have received, that we authentically need to give expression to. We're not trying to copy somebody else's expression. We're saying, Lord, what is our expression of what we have tasted about heaven? Help us express that. Do better at expressing it. Do more. This is your community. This community cannot function without you. It needs you. Worship team, you guys, please join me. And then we give by our tithes and our offerings. We give by our tithes and offerings. Now sometimes we forget. We forget that the kingdom needs an address on earth. We're so thankful we live in a city where there's many touch points, many addresses for the kingdom. But we've been given this task to be an address. And this address needs money. I'm sorry to tell you, it needs money. Now I know, many people will say, oh, the church is not a building. You are so correct. But can I say to you, the church is not just a building. It's more than a building. It's like saying your family is not your house. Absolutely. But how many of you know your family needs a house? 
I mean, how many of you people that, you're like, ooh, the church mustn't have buildings, but they all live in their own houses. You can overemphasize the building. Yeah, for sure. Let me tell you, Hatfield is not 551 January Masilela Drive, but it is where we meet. It is where we express community. And for generations, community has expressed something of our taste of heaven here. But this building was paid for by previous generations, and we're so thankful we don't have to pay for it, but we have to keep the legacy, the testimony, the witness going. Right now, we have 3,744 members on our books here at Hatfield. So we can't even all meet in this building at one time. But aren't we glad that we have a place to come, to express ourselves, to, through our art, through our music, through our speech, through our behavior, say, Lord, we want something of who you are. And we need to grow. We need to do more. I love tithing as a funding model. I think tithing is a fantastic funding model. Do you know why? Because it equalizes everybody. Because tithing means I give 10% of my money to this kingdom expression, which will one day be my complete reality. One day I will need no money because I will live in the fullness of this. But right now, I'm going to fund this being visible on earth. And 10% of my tithe is not a tax. It's not rent that I pay. It's my expression of saying, I believe in this. And it's my first fruits that I give to actually communicate that everything I have belongs to the Lord. All my money is to be used to display the kingdom. Some of it will display the kingdom in my family. Some of it will display it in some other activities, my social life, my relaxation. It's supposed to every cent that I spend must reflect this kingdom truth that I live in. But 10%, we gather together and we say, this is going to help us represent our kingdom expression. And you know what's fantastic about the percentage, 10%. I didn't say that, that the Lord said that. And I believe that's the minimum, but in any case. So if your 10% is five rand or your 10% is 5,000 rand, you are equal in your giving. It doesn't belong to the ones that give more money. It belongs to the one that gives because of the revelation of the heart. The Macedonians could give a lot less than what the Corinthians did, but they displayed the kingdom. Like the woman with her two little mites that said, this is all I've got. Because it's the heart. Won't you stand with me? Now, if all you heard this morning is the pastor asking for money, <laughs> I'm sorry, eh? Go listen to the message again and hopefully you'll hear something else. Because it's not about money. I don't have to tell you give so that you can, you know, if you give 30 rand, then you can reap 3,000 rand. Because our reward is not fully in the money that we receive back because of sowing and reaping. It's in the fact that we have an eternal reward. The Lord will bless us on this earth. He will look after us to express who He is. But our full reward will only be achieved in heaven one day. I've given many times and not received anything in return. But I know I've received in eternal truth. But this morning as I close for us, I want to pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit.
Because the only way we can do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So can I ask you, just raise your hands with me. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came on the day of Pentecost to give birth to this that we can experience today still, the church. Not the church, some abstract thing, but the church, a real community of real people really trying to live out what they're receiving from the Holy Spirit, a heavenly truth lived on earth. And so I pray for every one of us individually, first of all, I pray, come fill us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Why don't you just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that can operate in a community. Gifts of tongues, gifts of prophecy, gifts of words of knowledge, gifts of generosity, gifts of of giving, gifts of leadership. Thank you, Lord, for the expression of the gifts of the Spirit in our midst. And I release a new level of the gifts of the Spirit in this community in Jesus' name. Stir in us, Lord, a desire to give. Come, Holy Spirit. And then I pray, Lord, for our community as a whole. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Pour out your Spirit upon us so that we can grow as an expression of that which is the eternal truth and reality that you will work it among us, Lord. Lord, where we fail to represent you well, thank you that you come and you show us, you teach us, you guide us, you instruct us, you reprimand us where we need it. And we thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. I pray for a greater revelation of the heavenly truth and the heavenly reality. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm going to dismiss the service. The team's going to sing a song. And if you want to stay, but and just say, Holy Spirit, here we are. Then please do that. If you want to sign up for community group, the table's at the front here or the table in the foyer. Please remember that. Those that are wanting to find out more about our church and how to be part of this community, you go to the foyer hall and Leona will meet you there. If you need prayer for something specific today, please come to the front and our ministry team and we'll pray with you. If, you, if, you, if you're saying, Lord, there's a brokenness that needs mending, let us pray with you. Let us see the kingdom come. But let's just end this service and thank you for those that have joined us online and may you experience the Lord's grace and His favor go with you. And as we go on our front lines, may the Spirit of God anoint you and empower you to sew together that which is falling apart all around you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord, but you're so welcome to go if you want to go.